Welcome tonight to Sunday Night Alive. Praise God. Glad that you are here. I appreciate our van drivers. We didn't have a van driver. If we didn't have a van driver that drove tonight, we'd be only about half of who we are here. So she kept picking up people and picking up people. And, and Sister Karen, uh, certainly, uh, she drove this morning to pick up people because Brother Mike was sick. Then she came back and went, took people home, got home for a little while and came back and went to pick people up again. And Paula gets to take everybody home. Amen. Amen. So praise God for our, our van drivers. We really appreciate uh, that we uh, thank God that we have a van. You know, it's, a, it's a blessing in it. We bought that van back in 19, I don't know, when was it? 2009, I think it was, we bought it. And um, uh, been paid for for a long time. So thank God for that. Uh, we know that we go from way out there all the way to Douglas, sometimes to North Douglas and all the way around and through through town and through Lemon Creek picking up people and thank God for uh, that we have this and it enables people to come to church that couldn't come. So van drivers, thank you. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. Now we're going to talk about cheerful giving. We're just following the book of uh, book of Second uh, Corinthians because it book of 2 Corinthians talks about how people get blessings out of battles. Blessings out of battles. And uh, sometimes it seems like that uh, there's a lot of battles and very few blessings, but anytime there's a battle, there's a guaranteed blessing with it. We always get blessings out of our battles. It will come. We can expect blessings as we go through our battles. Praise God. Tell somebody got a blessing coming. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And it brings us to the point that we go to talk about chapters 8 and 9 of, of 2 Corinthians, which talks about giving. Now, giving is something that uh, some, some ministries concentrate on almost completely. They talk about giving all the time. And if, you don't, and if it's not about giving, then it's about uh, selling something. You know, if you'll send us $25, we'll send you a uh, bottle of holy water or, 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 or something. Uh, so they're always selling something. Uh, we're blessed here in that we don't say too much about giving. Uh, we, we just receive offerings, and it's not something that we... I've seen been in some churches, it takes them a half an hour to receive an offering. Just to, just to person get up and make a spill and try to motivate people to give, and, and uh, uh, 
it's something, but we, we just receive, receive an offering. And uh, praise God that Brother Jerry's heart was laid, laid upon Brother Jerry's heart this morning to talk about our building fund, replacing those monies back into the funds of the church. And uh, I haven't, it hasn't been counted yet, but just by cursory glance over, it looks like it's probably exceeds $500 that came in this morning. So praise God for that. So we're going to talk about a cheerful giver. We're going to look at the principles of giving to the Lord. Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, uh, and part of the reason he was writing it was the church in Judea, back in the originating place of, uh, the, the, of Christianity. There was a great uh, financial uh, uh, distress going on there, and there was great need among the Christians that were in Judea. And so he was appealing to them to give an offering to help the people in Judea. And in this appeal to the Corinthians, he really laid a foundation for why we give to the Lord and how we are to give to the Lord and the great blessings that we receive when we give to the Lord. Freely giving ourselves, our time, our energy, our talents, our finances to the Lord is a great part of Christian life. When people begin to live a life of giving, they discover that there's great joy and blessing in giving. Even though we're in chapter 8 tonight of 2 Corinthians, the subject for the chapters of 8 and 9 center around the theme verse in chapter 9. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Let's have prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, and we just pray tonight that the Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts through your word, that, Lord, we just thank you for the people that are here, their generosity, their giving, their uh, sacrifice. But, Lord, tonight we're just going to see if your word how much uh, this means and how deep it goes when people give. And we just thank you for it now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. amen. So in this message tonight, we're going to see why we give. What really is our motivation to give to the Lord, to give ourselves, to give our finances, to give our time? to give our energy, to give our talents. What motivates people to do that? Well, that's what Paul covers with the people at Corinth. He's speaking to them about why you give, why you give. Some people said, I give because I want to be blessed. But that's not the main principle of giving. But he does cover why we give. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 6. 
Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing imploring us with much urgency that we, should, we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us by the will of God. You see, God has a plan for his grace to multiply, to abound, and for needs being met. There's great needs in God's work, but God's not nervous about those needs being met because within the confines of his divine economy, there is a provision made for the needs being met, and it's simply giving, simply giving. Our text tells us the motive for giving and in doing so gives us the whole principle of Christian life. It's the secret of doing God's work that will have a great impact in spreading the gospel locally and statewide and nationwide and worldwide, the spread of the gospel. Everything we give in one way or another relates to uh, the work of God the work of God, the work that God is doing with people. So the foundation principle of the people of Macedonia is in verse 5. Not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then by us, by the will of God. Now the church at Macedonia was poor. They had financial setbacks. They were in a depression. They were in a, a very difficult times. Uh, they had very little, but they had a heart to give. The Phillips translation puts it this way. Somehow, in most difficult circumstances, their joy and the fact of being down to their, their, their last penny themselves produced a man, magnificent concern for other people. Praise God. So they were poor. They didn't have much, but they had a heart to give. They had a heart to give. And it says the way that that happened, Paul said how that came to be with all of the, all of the poverty they were experiencing, all the shortages they were having, it says the reason that they were so liberal and so generous and so joyful in their giving was this. It says they first gave themselves to the Lord. You see that up there? They first gave themselves to the Lord. Praise God. They had given themselves in total surrender to the Lord. He was they're all in all. And when people come to that place in their spiritual experience, they connect with the fire 
and the desires of God and are willing to give themselves and their means to fulfill God's purpose and to fulfill God's will. So it comes to the place that they were uh, surrendered their lives, given themselves first of all to the Lord. Uh, a lot of people say the last thing that that the last thing that gets saved in a person's life is their billfold. Their billfold. Hard to get people's billfold saved <laughs> to where they understand uh, the principle of giving. But once a person surrenders to Christ and Jesus becomes their all in all like the people of Macedonia, then it's easy to give. It's easy to give. You become giveaholics. <laughs> you become to the place you want to give. You want to find somewhere to give. And uh, it's all because they gave themselves to the Lord and then it says, Paul says, then they gave themselves to him and to fulfill God's purpose and God's will. Now, why, what's the motivation? Why did the people of Macedonia do that? Why, they, why were they brought to the place that the most excitement they had and the greatest joy and the expression of that joy was being able to give? In fact, Paul said that they were... They were so excited that they just couldn't wait to bring, get that offering in and, and to see it go to work. They were just pressing him, we, we, we've gotten this offering and we want it to go to work and make sure you make a way for that offering to get to where it's going. They didn't have banks like we have today, so they had to rely on the transportation I'm amazed that you can go to a bank and put a check in and before you leave the bank it's already cleared. Used to, you had to wait several days for a check to clear, but no more, no more. It's fast, but they didn't have that back then. I don't know how they, they, they did all their money, but they had this collection. They had gotten together and were so excited and so thrilled about it. They just wanted it to happen. They wanted it to take place uh, because they were uh, uh, convinced that in their poverty, their own generosity was a part of their worship and their devotion to God. Well, why? How did they get, how did they get to that place? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8 and 9 tells us. Paul said, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. So, listen now, this is it. This is the whole reason we give. This is the reason people get excited about giving. This is the reason people are compelled to give. This is the whole foundation of giving. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Amen. That's the principle. That's what excites and motivates people to give. Knowing the grace of God. 
how that Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. Praise God. Praise God. So he says, you know the grace of God. The grace of God is the favor of God that he gives us that we don't deserve. Out of his grace, he pours out the abundance of his blessings. Things that we don't deserve, we can't earn, he just pours out on us abundance in order for our lives to be what he desires them to be. So he says, you know the grace of God. And once you understand the grace of God and begin to understand what that means for you personally, because in that word grace is giving, giving. Grace is always giving. It's giving. And it says you understand the grace of God, how that God has given to you. And how did he give to you? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus was rich. That's the statement of who Jesus was before he came to earth. He was rich. He was rich in his position. He was and is and always has been God the Son. He was the object of worship in heaven. The angels around the throne cried out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. He was rich in his position, high above everything, ruler of the whole universe, the God of all power. Jesus has always been. There was never a time when there was not Jesus. He's eternal. And in that eternity, he was in the highest position that anybody could attain in the whole universe. So he was rich in position. Not only that, he was rich in possession. How rich was he? Everything belonged to him. Everything belongs to him. He's, uh, he's rich in that the whole universe belongs to him. He was rich in creation because it is Jesus Christ we hear in the scripture even in the book of here in Colossians that by him all things were created. By him all things were created. With his creative powers the universe all of the galaxies and all of the systems of stars that's beyond our imagination. How did they get there? Jesus spoke it 
and all the stars appeared and all of the galaxies appeared and everything that is appeared. And somewhere along the way, he made earth. And he created earth. Praise God. Aren't you glad that we believe that Jesus created the earth? It's something that we have to declare that Jesus is the creator, the creator. Everything that was made and has been made was made by him. The oceans, uh, all of the mountains and all of the seas and all of the rivers and the whole thing we see out here in creation that's remarkable. Jesus is the creator. Amen. Jesus is the creator. So he was rich in creation. And he was rich in honor. All of heaven worshipped him. And he was rich in love because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were connected with love with love. The atmosphere of heaven charged with love. And love was the operational uh, background of all that happened in heaven. So he was rich in love. He was rich and we can't even describe and we cannot even fathom we can't even imagine how rich he is. But listen to what it says. Yet for our sakes, he became poor. He became poor. Can you see him stripping himself of his glory? The Jesus of all eternity in some way that we can't even begin to understand, came conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary, carried by a woman to term in birth. Can you see him as he's preparing for that journey and what that journey would mean? We can't even begin to fathom theologically or philosophically or any other kind of awfully, any kind of way, what that journey was and what it was like. Can you see him as the angels of heaven followed him as far as they could go? And they were present when he was born and was able to sing, Glory to God in the highest! Praise God. They were just doing what they'd always done. They were worshiping Jesus, the Son of God. But then we see his poverty. The one on shoulders, his shoulders, the whole universe rest, by whom all things are held up by the word of his power being carried 
as a baby in the arms of a peasant woman. See him in that dirty stable. See him growing up in a carpenter's shop. See him in poverty because it says he became poor. He created the rivers and the oceans and the seas, but he asked for a woman to give him a drink of water. He saw foxes and birds, the birds having their nests and the foxes have their dens. But he said, the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. He became poor. Once he had the hallelujahs of heaven, but now in his poverty, he is cursed and spit on, lied about, and put on a cross to die. You see the gap between the throne of heaven and the cross is immeasurable. We don't know how far he came from his riches to his poverty. What was the purpose of it all? It says it was for our sake. It is for our sake. It was for you and me. It says he became poor. He became poor. So we can become rich. Praise God. I'm glad to tell you tonight. I'm looking at a bunch of rich people. Tell the person next to you, I'm rich. You haven't won the lottery, but you're rich. You haven't inherited from a rich uncle, but you're rich. You didn't make an invention that has gained so much income like Bill Gates, but you are rich. And I want to tell you tonight, you have a fountain in your life that will never run dry. Praise God. You are rich in your possession. Because the one I just described, it says he owns the heavens and the earth. That everything is his. But the scripture also tells us that we are joint heirs with him. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. We are joint heirs with him. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 He is rich in possession, and because he's rich in possession, we are also rich in possession. And because of Jesus, we are rich in promises. 
Open the Word of God and it's filled with promise after promise after promise of blessing, of provision, of nourishment, of strength. Oh, praise God, it's just covered from cover to cover with promises that make you rich. Praise God, promises. In fact, it says he's he's made it possible for us to reign in life by his promises. We can reign as life in life. We can receive the abundance of blessings that he's provided. We're rich in promises. He's the one that says, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. That's a promise. Praise God, and you're rich in promise. And you are rich in power. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And the Holy Ghost came upon them and they were filled with power. Oh, praise God, the same power that created the universe, the same power that rolled the Red Sea back, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that fell on the disciples on the day of Pentecost is in you. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. We are rich in power. Let's just celebrate a little bit. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. The reason he made you rich is because it is heaven's counterattack against sin. You are Jesus' answer to this world that is filled with sin. He has made you a very special person, called you by his name, entered you into his kingdom, translated you out of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, and he filled you with promises and blessings so that you can be effective carrying the gospel speaking the word of the Lord and being a blessing to people. Hallelujah. It all comes from the grace of the Lord. A love that never gives up. A love that never holds back. And a love that fully and completely gives. We're rich in love. We're rich in love. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he came to earth to be like us so we could become like him. He came down to earth so we can go up to heaven. Praise God. Now what I'm talking about tonight is what should motivate you to give. That's it. Jesus became poor for our sakes that we might become rich in him. 
If that gets a hold of a person, they begin to see everything in an entirely different light. They begin to see how important and how awesome and how wonderful it is what Jesus has done for them, and they want to have that same spirit. They want to have that spirit of giving, that spirit of blessing, that spirit of being able to reach out with all kinds of blessing to the furtherance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It had taken hold of the church of Macedonia, and Paul was believing it was also going to take hold in the church at Corinth that we're going to get a vision for giving. They were going to get a vision for the program of God. They were going to get a vision that was going to take them out of their little narrowness into opening up the wealth of God's blessing that was going to go all over and be on a fountainhead of blessing to many people. And it happened when they realized they did not own themselves. When they realized the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ was their total supply. They knew they belonged to God and they owed him their very lives. Paul wanted the church at Corinth to grasp the same thing the church at Macedonia had grasped. He wanted them to see it, so he wrote these two chapters. He wants us to grasp it. That giving is never by commandment. We don't give because we're commanded to give. We're not, we don't give because we're pressured to give. Because we're pressured to give. I was in a service in Oklahoma one time, camp meeting service. And I had gone there as a whippersnapper preacher the camp meeting, hoping to get at least revivals enough to take me through the summer to go back to college in the fall. And I arrived there with $5 in my pocket. And I knew I had to have enough gasoline to get to my first revival. Didn't know where that was going to be. I didn't have any revivals lined up. I was counting on camp meetings to get me to my next revival. And the very, it was unusual because it usually happens at the end of the week, but they had a mission service. And you know what? The Lord whispered in my ear and he said, give that $5. Give that $5. Now, part of me said, that's the only $5 I've got, and i got to eat this week. I've got to get gas in my car to go to my next revival. And, you know, Oklahoma's all spread out. It's a long ways from town to town. And you may get a revival, and you may drive 200 miles, and the next one will be 200 miles the other way. So... I said, praise God, hallelujah, I'm going to obey the Lord and give that $5. Only thing in my wallet, only thing I had. Had no way to eat, had no way to get gas for my car, $5. Didn't seem like a lot, but I took it with gladness to the altar and put it in the offering plate. 
the next day, the state overseer, F.L. Muller, said, Richard said, our general overseer was supposed to preach this afternoon, but he can't get here. Something's come up and he can't come, and I want you to preach this afternoon. Wow. A whippersnapper preacher preaching in the state, of, preaching in the place of a general overseer. And boy, I, I got up and I preached everything I had. <laughs> and preached. And the Lord must have blessed it because after I preached, I had people come up and said, I want you to come for revival. I want you to come for revival. I want you to come for revival. And I had eight revivals lined up for the rest of the summer. Eight revivals. Started out in Muskogee and wound up in Locust Grove. <laughs> but the overseer said to me, Richard, Charles Kahn, we had a motel rented for him already. And uh, he's not here to stay in it. So maybe you could stay in his motel room. <laughs> and I said, whoa. Boy, staying in the state, uh, a general overseer's motel room. And he said, you're speaking for us, and since you're speaking for us, here's a pass that you can go through our cafeteria and eat every meal. <laughs> and then, at the end of the camp meeting, he brought me a check now, this is back in 1967. He brought me a check in 68. He brought me a check for $100. Now, $100 in those days was a whole week's salary. He brought me $100. Gave me a check for $100. That's what I'm talking about tonight. When you obey God and give, I tell you what, there's no stopping place, there's no limit to what God will do and how he will bless and how he will provide. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe if I hadn't given that $5, I don't think any of that would have happened. I think it was tied to that $5. So it's not by commandment, it's not by human pressure, it's a response of the love that we have for the Lord and what he has done for us. That's why we give ourselves and everything that we have in complete surrender to him. Hallelujah. It's all because we are thankful and grateful for what Jesus has done for us. At the center of our giving lies the cross. Lies the cross. When the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ captures our heart and when we yield ourselves to him with total, complete surrender, then uh, we are motivated uh, to give. We want to give because we understand we are recipients of the greatest blessing that we want to be a blessing, so we 
give. Now what it says is, Jesus was rich, but he became poor. For our sake, that we might become rich in him. Now, this is not like it's saying of Jesus, but there was one time that people may have thought that they were rich. Rich in self-importance. Rich in self-righteousness. Rich in pride and rich in arrogance. But when they finally came to know the grace of God, who was really rich, he became poor. So that for our sake, that we might become rich. You know, that's the journey of the Christian life. We may have been rich as far as our own pride and self-importance and arrogance, but when we saw the grace of God, we willingly became poor. In other words, we say, Jesus, I give myself away. I surrender my life to you. I owe you everything. And at that point, in that poorness, he made a provision. When we got to that place, a provision that others can be made rich. We're entrusted with the riches, the treasures of heaven. The Lord's entrusted you with his pearl of great price. His treasure chest of the gospel. And all of the provisions of blessings for you to utilize for the glory of God and for the expansion of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. Praise God. So what he's saying, we became we counted everything lost, our old lives gone, friends that we used to have gone, pleasures we once indulged in gone. All of the things that we gloried in are gone, but they're all gone so we can gain Christ. You remember the day you gained Christ? When you gain Christ, praise God. When we grasp this principle, we are willing to freely give ourselves to, the, to Christ. And we can say, Lord Jesus, all I have and all I am, without any argument, without any debate, without any question, without any possible contradiction, all of this is yours, now and forevermore. Amen. 
praise God. It all belongs to you. Now this is what I've told you tonight. It is the secret to a blessed, joyful life. If you want to be a cheerful giver, here's the foundation for being a cheerful giver. It's all centered in what Jesus has done for us. It got a hold of the Macedonians. And we're going to continue next Sunday night, and we're going to continue to speak about how it got a hold of the people at Corinth. As Paul begins to tell them about the blessings of giving. The blessings of giving. I thank God for all of you because I see some of the most generous people in the world. If all of you were financially wealthy tonight, I know what you would do. You would support the church. My wife told me the other day, she said, if we got a whole bunch of money somehow, she said the first thing we would do would be pay the church off. Amen. Pay the church off. We owe what is it, $242,000 still on this church building. We already paid much more than that in interest because it's a 25-year loan, and we are right in the middle. Just getting to the place we're paying more principal than we are interest. So she said we'll pay that off. Praise God. It may happen, you know. Somebody in the church may get a windfall, and we'll... Pay the church off. Pay the church off. But I see your generosity. Your generosity. And I thank God for that. I got a check in the mail for the church this week from somebody who doesn't come here. And he said, I'm just sending this because your church is such a great blessing to me as a person. And you're a great blessing to our community sent a check for $500. Praise God. And just today, somebody who doesn't attend this church gave over $1,400. And the reason they said they did it is because they appreciate what God is doing through this church. Praise God. We're the richest church in Juneau, Alaska. Amen. <laughs> Somebody asked me one time, I probably shouldn't say this, asked me one time, said, how do you, how do you make it down there with all the native people in your church? because they have a reputation that they don't support ministry. I said, we've had no problem. I said, they've been the most generous people I've ever seen. I said, they, you can't force them not to pay tithe. I said, they can't, let, they can't let it ride even 
They bring it to the church before it's even church time, wanting to pay their tithe because they believe and have bought into the fact that they're, they're, this is part of their lives and part of their spiritual heritage, and, and they give. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And it should excite us. It should in the motivation still is every time you write a check, every time you put cash in an envelope, every time you drop money into the offering plate, you need to be thinking, and I need to be thinking, even though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes that we might become rich through him. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's praise him again. Father, we worship you and we thank you for all of your blessings and everything that you have done. Lord, we give you glory and thanksgiving and praise and honor. Lord, we glorify you and honor you for who you are. Hallelujah. And all that you have done, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's been wonderful to be together here on a Sunday night. And God bless you and rejoice in your riches. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information about the Glacier Valley Church of God, visit our website at glaciervalleycog.org. If you're in need of prayer, contact us, 789-3605.